Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Leave that music up, Eli. That's Bruce's music. Why must you bring it down so quickly? You diminish the song and you diminish Bruce in the process. You think that's appropriate? I don't. So right now, let's go out to the score hotline where we're joined by score baseball insider Bruce Levine. You can hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Bruce, you, you love your you music. You can't diminish the diminished, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot. Uh, I know the feeling. Bruce, uh, where are the Cubs right now in terms of what else they are looking for? I assume more bullpen help. Uh, who knows, maybe even another starter. Where are they? Is anything cooking at the moment? They're looking at bullpen guys. Uh, they have scouts here in Chicago watching the Toronto and the White Sox. They have scouts in out west watching teams. They have a, a scout watching the Orioles looking for the rest of their bullpen guys like Branch. Uh, they want to add to the bullpen. You hope that's enough. I guess the theory right now, guys, is even if the starting pitching is looking a little bizarre and out of sync, if you keep adding to what has been one of the best bullpens in the game, you're still going to have a chance to win a lot of games, win your division. And even if you limp into the playoffs, you're going to have a, a heck of a shot to win the National League. We were just talking about the rotation last, uh, well, this past hour, of course. Who do you trust? Uh, I trust Epstein and Hoyer and Joe. It, of the players. <laughs> oh, okay. In the rotation, I, I, who do you trust? I trust them to get the very best out of what looks like a, a limited rotation at this point. I mean, you, you can't size it up any differently. Uh, I probably can't overemphasize how important a, uh, a start it might be for Hendricks today to, uh, to pitch six or seven good innings for them and – kind of even if they lose a, a tight game, you know, kind of show that, you know, there are guys that you're going to be able to count on here and you're going to get some length out of your rotation at some point because for Joe to have to manage a game every day like it's the seventh game of the World Series, and I know Joe is seventh game of the World Series. I know. No, I'm not kidding about it. But uh, every day, you know, using four bullpen guys, just, you know, it's just not going to work. Even the really good guys, and even the extra guys are, are going to be a little burnt out. So uh, I think you're going to have to get reliable. Uh, you know, Quintana is who I always thought he was. He's a three, four. He's going to be, you know, win a couple of games more than 500, have an ERA somewhere, you know, three, seven to four and be a nice pitcher. Hendricks was, uh, you know, counted on being one of the top rotation guys after an injury plagued year last year. Um, that, that really hasn't happened. So, I don't know if you can count on Hamels to be the old Hamels here, but reliability is what they're looking for in that rotation. Yeah, it seems like we've been saying that every day. Like every day, boy, they could sure use six or seven today, and then it's three or four again. It just keeps happening over and over again. It's it's amazing. Uh, of all the things that you would have suspected could go wrong this year, I don't I don't know, Bruce, if you'd have thought this was one of them. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think there was uh, trust in Quintana being who he is, trust in Hendricks coming back and, you know, having pitched well at the end of the year last year, albeit not the, the game against Washington or Los Angeles in the playoffs. Those those were, uh, you know, you got to throw those out. But, you know, he's a reliable guy, and, and uh, he's just not the pitcher that he was. To make any excuse or put any reason into it, 
reality is he's just not. And John Lester is is the only guy that separates himself from that rotation. So there is strength in numbers. And if you look at what the Dodgers did last year, go back and see starting innings pitch by Los Angeles Dodgers pitchers last year. And you'll be shocked to see only a couple of guys with over 160 innings pitch. The rest were, you know, was all Friedman hiding guys, putting guys in the 10-day DL, uh, rotating six, seven, eight starters into rotation, having a really good bullpen, good offense, and winning uh, the National League pennant that way. But it, it can be done like that. Um, if you're creative enough, I think that's what Epstein and Hoyer are trying to do here by adding the numbers, adding camels, maybe adding another guy that is going to be a free agent uh, before the 48 hours are up and the trading deadline comes here for non-waivers. Uh, I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, the, you know, what, what kind of trust do you have in Montgomery uh, adding up the innings right now as a starter after you watched that start the other day? So yeah. I, don't over, I don't overreact to one start. But I do over. I do react to a continuing trend, and and the trend is not looking great for them. Usually, Chatwood's just filled with cliches to the media, but it was interesting hearing him speak yesterday. Uh, what do you think they told him? They told him, "Hey, you know, time for a timeout. You know, let's uh, let's just take you back into the bullpen, work with Hickey, uh, and try to get yourself probably set with a." a more reliable delivery and by that i mean if you know just just look at some video any any person can grab video on any picture that they want from class a all the way through the majors now and look at all the busyness he has in his delivery before the ball is sent out the arm action comes back too far there's just too much busyness in it so i think they're going to try to clean up the delivery and give him a better semblance and idea of what the command is, not not the control. The control is there, you know. That means you're in the strike zone area. But command is actually knowing where that perp, that pitch is going that you're trying to deliver. There's so many times during an outing for him that there's probably 30 pitches during that outing where he has no idea where the ball's going. That that's not gonna that's not gonna survive in the major leagues. As Joe says, he's got great stuff. Yeah, but you know, it doesn't matter. If if nobody hits it, if you're, you're through 100 pitches in four and two-thirds innings and uh, you walk six guys. He said, from what I understand, I'll have a chance to, to make, make it back into the rotation. I, I don't see that. Do you? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, what are their other options right now? I mean, maybe that I'm answering a, a question with a question. Right, it's all, but, it's all on how these guys perform after Lester. That's, right, and yeah, and if mean, Darvish pitches, handled, I don't know. Yeah, if Hamill steps in and does a great job and Montgomery straightens out the next time and get a, a good two or three from Hendricks, you know, no harm, no foul. You're, you know, you're, you're cleaned up a little bit. But, uh, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of ifs. You know, the, the Darvish thing is, you know, you know, look at that as September 1st and if he's uh, ready to go and he's re-enthused again or whatever is going on in, in his, his mind and body, uh, great. You can't count on it. Uh, but and and the same thing with Smiley coming back from from surgery yeah. and being out for a year. There there's there's some chances there in late August and September. But uh, you know the reality is you know keep that bullpen strong. If you can keep it strong by starters going, you know at least you know five and two thirds now. Okay, let's let's just say that. Let's say five and two thirds instead of six because six isn't really a, a great reality for very many pitchers anymore. 
Bruce, uh, Theo was talking about Montgomery's innings starting to pile up. Do you suspect that even though they they need him throwing, they're going to try to back him off here? It, it sounds that way. I mean, uh, Joe said the same thing last week, that, hey, we really have to watch his innings because he's in uncharted waters as far as uh, – innings and and you know stressful innings as a starter you know it's a it's a different thing different dynamic they don't want to lose him uh they they kind of look at him like a young pitcher who uh for the first time is gaining into the 150 inning area you know they always worry about that and i think they're smart to treat it that way and the best way to treat it would be to, to probably put him back in the bullpen but right now it's obvious they can't afford to do that they, they look at the bad outing on friday and go okay you know, he can improve on that. Uh, but from from what they have right now, over the next 10 days or next three starts, you know, let's say 15 days, they have to have him in there because there's just not a lot of reliability anywhere else. He scored baseball insider Bruce Levine. Joins us every week here on Hit and Run. Do the Cubs deserve blame for how they've handled the Chris Bryant situation? I don't think so. I mean, there's... There's personal, uh, you know, HIPAA rules and laws that, you know, if a player wants to tell you what's going on with their, his shoulder, he can or he doesn't have to. You know, I think Chris was asked directly, is something going to have to be done for that shoulder after the season? I think Gordon Whitmire asked him in a, a group setting on Friday in St. Louis. And his response was, hey, I, and, and we have that sound somewhere in our system. I don't. I, I'm a baseball player. I'm not a doctor. If I wanted to be a doctor, I would have trained to do that. But I like being a baseball player. I let the doctors handle all that stuff. So there, there was no direct answer to whether he's going to have to have something done in there. You know, obviously with a lot of rest here, he's not the same Chris Bryant. He came back and he doesn't have the same swing. Uh, he's a defensive hitter. Uh, this is one of the great players in the game of baseball. He brings a lot to your team, whether he's hitting home runs or not. He's such a high baseball IQ player. He helps you on defense, base running. Just his mere presence in the lineup changes the way pitchers have to pitch to your lineup. Uh, he, so th- they probably think, and he probably thinks, even at 75%, he's going to be a, a good contributor to that team. So I, I, don't, I don't blame the, the Cubs for the way they, they handled it. I think you handle it the way that the player wants to handle it. Uh, you, don't, you don't give out. Uh, information the player doesn't want out there. And uh, the player wants to continue to fight through this and, and try to help the team uh, coming back. We don't know when that's going to be. Is it a week, 10 days from now? I don't know. But um, I probably agree with them and Chris that at 75%, if he can get to that point, he's still a, a dynamic player that can help you win. Bruce, from the time Carlos Rodon got here, I saw a potential ace. Nothing has changed my mind on that in terms of his stuff. Obviously, he's had some injury problems, but it looks awfully good right now. How did you view him, I'd say, two years ago, and how do you view him today? There's an awful lot of maturity, Barry, that has come along for Rodon. Part of it is just, you know, you're 25 years old. You you were a kid. You were getting hurt already two years of uh, armor injuries. He's, he's learned a perspective on pitching. He's learned a perspective on life. Um, I think he, he can be a dominant pitcher in the major leagues if he can stay healthy. Uh, so the rest of this year is all about him staying healthy and being the really qu- high-quality pitcher that he is. He's always had that wipeout slider. Now he, has, now he has command with his other pitches. 
and uh, that makes him a very attractive uh, guy to lead their rotation down the line. Just stay healthy. He's got to do it the rest of the year, going into next year, starting as the ace of this very young staff that hopefully will continue to get better and better. There's been a lot of trials and tribulations for you know Lopez and Giolito. They've had good ones along the way, but uh, you need a leader on that team. Uh, pitchers James Shields will be gone here either in the next five weeks or certainly by the end of the season when his contract's up, and, and he can be the leader on that team if he can stay healthy. Uh, Rick Hahn spoke to the media the other day and uh, doing what he had to do. People were laughing at him because the double, the, the checking all the boxes <laughs> with with Aloy yeah. Jimenez, especially just he's saying what he had to say. But w- how do you think this ends up playing out this season? I think uh, after the training deadline here, if they move an Avisel Garcia, if they, if they move a Leori Garcia, they make a few moves here and there. There's some natural openings that are going to appear on the roster. I think that uh, Jimenez shows up here in the next uh, two to three weeks at the latest. Uh, As long as he dominates and checks those boxes that he won't tell us about, you know, that Rick won't tell us about on defense and, you know, other areas, uh, I think there's no reason to hold him back. You want, the one thing you want is you want your young group to learn how to win together. Uh, You know, you saw it in the great teams uh, with the Yankees in the 90s, and you saw it with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you know, evolve as a young group together. That's what the White Sox are looking to do. They've made it obvious to me when I've talked to Rick and to uh, Kenny that growing together is something they want him to do. So getting him up here and not worrying about uh, his arbitration time and his control time is, is more important to them uh, than it than it is for other teams because they want him to be a part of the Mancata-Anderson group that goes toward hopefully competing for this franchise in 2020 and beyond. If that's the case, Bruce, couldn't he have really been here already, or is it strictly because of uh, just not having a place to play him? Because I'm, I'm, it was my assumption that they would just wait until a week into next season to make sure that, right. seven, that seven is more than six. But yeah, that, That's a good assumption. I mean, uh, you know, you want to control that extra year if you're going to have a $20 million player down the line. It's uh, significant. I mean, we're seeing it with Brian, you know, as he approaches 2021 and his free agent year, how important that is. They have a, you know, that $30 million in the coffers rather than in the pocket of the player and the agent. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, you know, he still had some things to accomplish. One thing is just staying healthy. He's been hurt every year. He's had a couple injuries this year, nothing significant. But uh, they wanted to work him work on conditioning as well. Um, I talked to a couple of other people, and they said, you know, he's he's getting his body back together. He's got a big, strong body, but he's also got to work on, uh, you know, the strengthening and stretching of those muscles to make sure that he doesn't pull them. Uh, that's a big part of the White Sox plan as well, is making sure that condition-wise, as well as result-wise, these players are ready for the big league battles and to come up here and play 162 games. So I, I think he's down there for long enough here in the next two or three weeks if he stays healthy. And it'll be a shot in the arm for him and the rest of the team, and I think the franchise and the fan base, if he does show up. Is it okay, Bruce, that I enjoy watching Jace Fry pitch? No, he's really good, isn't he? Uh, and he, he challenges guys, and he gets people out. I, it, it, is, it is fun to, to watch him. It's like our old friend Danny Polisek. He's got a little of that. Maybe not as good. Maybe he won't pitch for 20 years like Sacker did, but... Uh, uh, he's a he's a guy that goes up there and challenges and and it's fun to watch. 
Bruce, thanks for your time. Always hey, appreciate it. Yes. One thing. I don't know if you told Joe this or not. Joe, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, Hall of Fame weekend here. And I Barry, am aware. <laughs> Barry is actually in the Hall of Fame. Well, not Barry, but his vendor's uniform is in the Hall of Fame in a prominent display. Yes. By Jeff Eilerson, the president of the Hall of Fame, who's one of Barry's very good friends. Well, he only shows me the picture on his phone every Sunday morning. That's a bit of an exaggeration. Maybe every other week, something like that. Bruce likes to point out... That there could have been a a crime committed here along the way as well. Bruce likes to point that when we did our shows from Cooperstown, Bruce frequently pointed that out. Would you say that's yeah? There there might have there might have been a uh, a free uh, was it a giveaway? Was it a uh, giveaway from the uh, the people that you worked for on the uh, on the on the uni or what was it? We always took our uniforms home every night. We took our uniforms home. It's just that my last game was Game 2 against the Padres in the NLCS of 80, in 1984. I didn't know there wasn't going to be a World Series, so I took my uniform home, and 20 years later, I found it in a box. So it was a five-finger discount uh, that uh, part of a broken law that's in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that you're entirely wrong, but I'm mildly offended that you would accuse me of such a crime. <laughs> Guys, have a great week. Talk Thank to you, you next week. Thanks, Bruce. That's Bruce Levine, Score Baseball Insider. Thoughts on him for a sec. Go ahead. <laughs> when we come back, Joe... I knew uh, I wasn't going to get through this Sunday without hearing about that. I honestly wasn't going to bring it up, it but as long, as long as Bruce did, yeah. So, <laughs> so here's the story. Now I won't tell the story. Here's, here's a real thing. My my favorite picture of all the vendor photos that I've seen is you with the really old guy that hated you. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's one. that's the one that Lawrence Holmes likes the best. Is that picture? <laughs> that's from Game One against the Padres, NLCS '84. And a friend, a friend of mine who uh, – one of my customers who, who sat six rows up on the visitors on deck circle wow. knew that this guy – he hated me and I hated him. He did not like – he was a really old Andy Frank, and he did not like that I was always going down that aisle. I mean, it was my job to go down the aisle and sell beer, and he was always mad that I was there and would always get in my way. And I'd be like, could you just let me do my job? And uh, so we did not like one another, although I would say... Uh, He's as probably you, dead now. Uh, I'm certain that he is, and I feel terrible about that. Yeah. In any case, that's that was the origin of that yeah. picture. It was, I go, what, Eli? You're certain that he's dead? I'm, I, oh, yeah. So well, I mean, he year? had to be close to 80 in 1984. I thought that was a shot. No, it's not. He's probably not... Wait, he was close to 80, you think? It looked like he was about 80 to me at the time. Okay. Was, and, and wasn't moving all that Probably well. Probably not 114, 15, I would guess. I think that's a fair assumption. Do it's the not math. a shot, Eli. Do the math, Eli. It's it's likely that he is. It's likely it will happen to all of us at some point. Likely. Some of us are hoping sooner rather than later. So long. This when is we, when we, <laughs> What? This is depressing. When we come back. I mean, lately, sometimes I just say, is it today? Please? You were a tomato! Usually in the room over there. There are certain aspects of things that we do professionally that lead us to wonder if we wouldn't just be better off. Everybody would. When we come back... (laughs) Trying to help Earth. When we come back, I, I I want to... 
discuss the Brian injury for for just a minute, and then we'll get back to the White Sox as well. And we will um, we'll talk to Mac Angle top of the hour about Cole Hamels right here. On hit and run on the score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Mr. Duffy is grounded to short. Didi feels and throws to first in time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. And Masahiro Tanaka pitches a complete game shutout and a beauty, giving up only three hits, one walk, and striking out nine. The sun will come out. Tanaka. Bet your bottom dollar with Tanaka. The sun will shine. Anyway, Tanaka pitches a complete game shutout. The sun will come out. Tanaka. <laughs> no, I need the rest. Bet your bottom what? Dollar, I assume. No, I did he say dollar or Tanaka? I don't know. Whatever. Let's not relive it. <laughs> it was, I didn't hear that. That's great. So this Brian injury, <laughs> yeah, that is not going away. You know, when you dive head first. One of the worst things that can happen is you can dislocate your shoulder, at least slightly. And when you do dislocate your shoulder, you are almost certainly tearing your labrum to some degree. And I don't know if that's what has happened to Bryant. I don't know if he's been diagnosed with any sort of a labrum issue. I don't think they'll tell us, even if he did. I don't know if that will require some sort of a cleanup in the offseason. I mean, if it is torn, it will require something because you don't want that to get worse. You let it get worse, then your shoulder starts dislocating all the time. Then every time you swing, you're in pain. But that's what it sounds like. It sounds like every time he extends, right? Well, they're talking about making an adjustment there. Yeah. So he doesn't extend as far? Yes. Well, that sounds like labrum to me. And I, I, you know, I, you, you know how I feel about this sliding head first thing. And I talk about it all the time. And it's one of those things people love. It's so exciting, though. It's so exciting. Swim moves are exciting, I and all it. these. And and you know, it's 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 one of those great uh, creative things you can do on the bases. And every single time you do it, you risk some sort of injury: broken finger, broken hand, broken wrist, broken arm, dislocated shoulder. You know, if you're extended and somebody lands on you while you're out, uh, you're you know. Yeah, it could be it for the season. When you're talking about Chris Bryant, give me the out and him healthy. Give me the out. And I know Joe's all about respecting 90, and he says that you shouldn't slide. I mean, these are a couple different arguments. Yeah, I don't know, but, a, man, I don't know a manager or a general manager no, who wants their guys No, I'm talking about just, just the giving everything you yeah. have to first. That's his only rule that he has. And Yeah, he doesn't say slide to first, but that's a whole other thing. Give me the out. For a healthy Chris Bryant every single time. Yeah, wouldn't you? Yes. Well, every time Bias slides head first, I just go, well, this could be a season right here. And guess what? There goes your season. Goes your season right there. Yeah. 
So, I, I mean, obviously he's not going to do it anymore, but y- you would hope that there would be some lesson learned for people on this, for other players. But we see it every day over and over and over again. Even when it's not necessary, you got to throw it home, beat by 20 feet, you're sliding head first. And by the way, if the catcher, and I realize the rules are confusing, but the catcher, if he gets the ball, still has a right to be there in front of the plate to try to prevent you from getting to the plate. Sliding head first, a good idea? Into a 230, 40, 50-pound catcher with all that stuff on? He's dropping his shin guards onto your hands, onto your arm, onto your shoulder? I, I know the rules make, yeah, like you mentioned, I know the rules make it seem like they can't touch you, but they can. They still can. Baez the other day, by the way, on that uh, that Souza slide, once again, just yeah, he doesn't believe he's going to get touched. Doesn't believe there's going to be any contact because that's what baseball has taught him. I don't even blame the players. I blame Major League Baseball, which has basically tried to legislate contact out of the game 100%. And so players are not protecting themselves. They don't believe anybody. And, you know, you're blind to the runner coming in. You still got to protect yourself. And that's how he got hurt the other day. Not believing anybody's ever going to slide into him. Then you got the Cubs throwing at Souza For what? Ciszek hits was... him for what? Why? Because he slid? Because what do you Rizzo want him... told him to, obviously, what... if you heard Rizzo after the game. What do you like, want him to do? He was what... as offended as anyone. What should he do? Run out of the baseline? Yeah. That's bizarre. And now, wait a minute, aren't we all about how you should, you're not supposed to retaliate, but then suddenly everybody's cheering because the Cubs retaliated? I thought that wasn't a thing anymore. I thought that was unacceptable. Oh, I thought they were, they were cheering because position players were pitching again. And we talked about that last week. We did. <laughs> it's just gonna, and it, then it happened. It's, it, we're seeing it again and again. We saw it again with the White Sox. By the way, Matt Davidson has good stuff. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I I'm know, not, I'm not I kidding. Know. And, you know, he's pitching for it. He keeps telling Rick Renteria, I want to do more pitching. And Renteria says, no. That's that's not going to happen. But he wants to do more pitching. It's a real strategy. He's actually got a really good two-seamer, which when he first started throwing... Okay, Did you, you ever think that you'd be breaking believe, this down? Like, yeah, I know. That's what that's- I was actually thinking this. I'm sorry. I apologize in advance for saying this, but I was actually thinking this, that his two-seamer is good enough. It has come far enough in the last four months. Like when he first pitched this year... He wasn't really throwing his two-seamer because... <laughs> can't even What's your take on him for a second? This is happening. I'm so stupid. Yeah. I'm saying You're this. an idiot. I am an idiot. He's, But here's the thing. like when He's, He, he yeah. wasn't really throwing his two-seamer because he, he didn't feel like he could control it. Now when he throws his two-seamer, it's got a nice little break back over the plate to it against lefties. It could okay. be effective. Yeah. See, here's the problem. And you admitted to your problem earlier. <laughs> You are watching too much White Sox baseball because now Davidson looks good. <laughs> all right. In proper context, all I'm saying is he could be an effective blowout guy for you, is all I'm saying. Is all I'm saying. And, and actually, you need... teams are looking for that now. Well, I, the White Sox. We had a long Cubs conversation about it yep. last week. It's necessary. And then what's if you're happening? only going to let pitchers throw three or four innings and you're getting your brains beat in, then you are going to need more position players who can pitch without hurting themselves. 
Hit and Run is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Coach Fitz of the Wildcats host of Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Illinois, and more this fall at Ryan Field. Season and single game tickets are on sale now at nusports.com. Go, idiot. <laughs> I confess. I'm stupid. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Camp Land RV. Enjoy sizzling summer savings going on now for select RVs at Camp Land RV. Visit the lot or check out camplandrv.com for great deals. Just a short drive on I-94 in Burns Harbor, Indiana. Camp Land RV, RV buying made easy. I just I just did that. I was just breaking down Matt Davidson pitching. Yeah, that happened. You were a tomato! <laughs> That's okay. That hey, is that the in your three years of hit and run? Is that the dumbest conversation that we ever? Oh no, no. Well, (laughs) think about it. Okay, because you were dead serious about it. Yeah, it's in the ballpark. But no, we've talked about some really stupid stuff on the air. Yeah, saying yeah, because off the air, Rick Camp was trying to tell us some stuff. I don't know what he was saying. Uh, right before the start of the show. Some about Matt Millen and lockers and scabs. And I don't know if he meant Matt Millen had scabs or they were guys who were crossing a picket line. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff happens in a locker room. Who knows? I just, I looked at you. You were confused. I was confused. Then I looked at Rick. I said, well, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but have a good day. And we, yeah, well, we were like 20 seconds to air yes. and we weren't even ready to go on. And, I didn't. So, I just didn't sometimes know. You have conversations with Rick. You don't know what he's talking about. I imagine he feels the same way about me. Probably. I would guess. But usually he's talking about the score. That's yeah. What, but yes. I don't think that was about the score. We talk a lot about the score off the air. Around Ooh, us? Oh, everybody. Right. I, I don't. I don't speak of it. <laughs> I don't talk about it to anybody. You're talking to. <laughs> Eli, no, should we? Happening. Should we take a break here? There's you seem anxious to pl- deal with the consequences. Where's the one about the... (laughs) Don't pick on Rick Camp. (laughs) It's like the only nice guy left in the building, and we're picking on Rick Camp. That's just wrong. (laughs) You can't even find it because he's laughing, thinking about it. (laughs) Go to a break, Eli, please. When we come back on Hit and Run, let's get to the Hall of Fame. Jim Tomey. And uh, the rest of the inductees and uh, some other news and nuggets from Cooperstown that won't involve my Hall of Fame uniform. Uh, It's Joe Ostrowski and Barry Rosner here on Hit and Run on the Score. The sun will come out. Tanaka. Bet your bottom dollar with Tanaka. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. I have new details on the Ed Hockley retirement, by the way. Your thoughts on that for a second? How about that? That's Joe Ostrowski. I'm Barry Rosner. Rick Camp is not here. He worked earlier. He's gone. And yet you guys insist on being mean to Rick Camp. That's Joe Ostrowski. people what happened. That's Joe Ostrowski. I'm Barry Rosner. This is Hit and Run on the Score. We're here until noon. Jim Tomey goes into the Hall of Fame officially today. That ceremony usually starts around uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time. And I'll never understand why we have a full slate of baseball during it. Never understand that. 
Could be done on a Monday, couldn't it? Uh, like tomorrow when everybody's off? Well, I know the Cubs and Sox are off. I don't know if all of baseball is, but yeah, that would be perfect. Be a nice showcase for the sport. Yeah. Wouldn't it? And it, uh, I, you've heard me talk about this before. It's always right around the trade deadline. So your national that guys too. either are not going to Cooperstown or they are, and they're distracted the entire time. How about that week, a couple weeks ago, we did a show the, the morning after the ESPYs were on and nothing was going on. Why don't you do it then in prime time? Middle of the week, why not? On a on that uh, it was a Thursday night, I think, well, or Wednesday that, night. But that Wednesday, the Wednesday, yeah, there's Wednesday. truly nothing going on, right? And this year, there wasn't supposed to be anything on Thursday either. Turns out the Cubs had a makeup. They game. would say it's the day after the All Star. There's too much going Fine, on. Fine, then do it on Thursday. Yeah, it gives you a day to get there. That'd be wonderful. and it's you know it's uh, it's very cool. The whole Cooperstown thing is very cool. It is a spectacular weekend, obviously for the guys involved. It's uh, it's an unforgettable experience. The best part, the best part for them is when they're done. There's a an informal party. It's not even really a party at the Hall of Fame Hotel, the Team Hotel, the Otis Saga, in the bar, in the lowest level of the hotel, which leads out to a patio out onto the grass, which overlooks the 18th hole of the Leather Stocking Golf Course. And in that bar is most of the Hall of Famers, at least the ones that can stay up, <laughs> that aren't too old to right, stay up. Right. And it's a great party. And I've been fortunate to have been invited to that, uh, to have been invited to it a couple of times. And it's amazing. You know, that Sandy Koufax is just sitting there, just talking baseball. Willing to talk, yeah. Sit down and have a conversation with Sandy Koufax about baseball, about pitching. It's a beautiful thing. Jim Tomey... By any measure, is a Hall of Famer. The 612 home runs, good for eighth on the all-time list. In 142 years of baseball, think about that. Seven guys have more home runs than Jim Tomey. It's pretty cool. Seventh all-time in walks, 23rd in extra base hits, 26th in RBI, 41st in total bases, 51st in runs, 15th in situational wins, 18th in OPS, 22nd, 18th in OPS. All-time. Pretty big. 22nd in slugging, 24th in runs created, 30th in base out wins added, 39th in win probability added, 44th in offensive war, 53rd war position player. So any way you slice it, Hall of Famer. Anyway, and yet he got 89% of the vote. And I just always laugh when I see that because there were people that didn't vote for Jim Tomey. What were they thinking? I mean, come- And I know it was a, a-, lo- a lot of one out of every 10. That's crazy. I know that it was a crowded ballot. And don't give excuses. I know that I, I know there's there was a lot to consider this year. Guys who were falling off the ballot, guys who have been on for a while. But I, I just I don't know I don't know how you get to I, I just like you said, one out of every ten. So Chipper Jones got ninety seven percent. Vlad Guerrero ninety two. Jim Tomey, 89. Trevor Hoffman, 79. Edgar Martinez will be going into his final year on the ballot. He had 70% this year. Mike Mussina, who is finally starting to move. Mike Mussina's case is phenomenal. His Hall of Fame case is phenomenal. One of the most underrated great pitchers of all time. He's at 63% after five years. Clemens, 57% after six years. Bonds, 56% after six years. 
Kurt Schilling at 51% after five years is um, it's unimaginable because his Hall of Fame case is extraordinary. Uh, there are people who have admitted they won't vote for him because of his politics and their politics. No question. And, um, you know, that's, that's, just, that's just shameful. I mean, uh, they will fully admit that they'll vote for people that, uh, that did things that were wrong to the game specifically, but they will penalize a guy for the things that he has said since he retired. And he has said some really awful, terrible stuff. But it doesn't stop me from voting for him because I'm voting uh, for uh, the player and what he was. That's that's just shameful at 51%. Omar Vizquel in his first year did rather well, 37%. That's good. That means he's he's got a fighting chance. Mm-hmm. If you believe in his case, I did not vote for him. But if you believe in his case, that's... Uh, do you think he'll ever make your 10? Because I know you write 10 names down every year. I do check 10 boxes. Uh, I don't know. I haven't even thought about next year yet. Yeah. but I'm just uh, wondering if he's in the team picture where you could see a year where he would make I, your list. I will honestly say that I never thought of Omar Vizquel as a Hall of Famer. Okay. So I mean, I'd have to be, I'd have to examine that case and be talked into it. Rarely have I changed my mind over the years, but it has happened. So that's a possibility. Here's a real shame. Fred McGriff, after nine years, is at 23%. So he will miss out. Last year will be his final year. Talk about a guy who had his career swallowed up by steroids. A guy whose numbers were Hall of Fame his entire career. Yeah. And then along came steroids. And that was that was the end of that. Uh, can I uh, share some Tommy numbers? Yeah, please. Uh, these are from Chris Camp. I want to give him credit. I heard him mention these. Some of these are eye-popping. Uh, uh, the White Sox Talk podcast. Jim Tomey has the most home runs by any non-MVP in baseball history. When Jim Tomey joined the White Sox, he scored a run in his first 17 games. 17 games in a row. First wow. 17. Wow. Don't say that tomorrow. You'll get yelled at. <laughs> scoring runs, runs, is, scoring scoring runs, is, runs bad. is bad. Scoring runs is bad. Um, he hit, Jim Tomey mentioned 612 home runs. He had a home run off of 403 different pitchers. <laughs> Hold on. 403 different pitchers. Yes. Last one. So you know there's 403 guys today going, yeah, Jim Tomey got me. I gave up a home run to a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And, and two of the guys that he hit well were Clemens and Verlander, too. Last one. 612 home runs. So, (laughs) the distance that he ran on those home runs is for or trotted is four hundred and one four hundred one forty one point seven miles, which is going from Chicago to Aurora. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) Chicago to Aurora. On the bases, just on his home runs. Yeah, not all the rest of his extra bases. Six hundred twelve times. Wow, that's pretty cool. Nice job, Chris Kampka. Uh, these are your guys for next year. Uh, the guys on the ballot for the first time: Roy Halladay, Todd Helton, Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera. Rivera, obviously a slam dunk. A lot of people making the case for Roy Halladay. That seems to have picked up since he died, hmm. for whatever reason. 
The year after that, first-timers, Jeter, obviously, Canerco, Cliff Lee, Alfonso Soriano. The year after that, eh. The year after that, Big Poppy and A-Rod. Big Poppy and A-Rod. It will be fascinating to see how they are treated differently. Big Poppy and A-Rod. Um, this I wanted to get to, Joe, because this is always one of my favorite things. When Ernie Banks got in on the first ballot in 1977, there was some question as to whether he would get in. That was a really big deal. Because at the time, after the original, the inaugural class of Ty Cobb, Honus Wagner, Babe Ruth, Christy Mathewson, Walter Johnson in 1936, the, there was not another first ballot Hall of Famer until Jackie Robinson and Bob Feller in 1962. Then it was Ted Williams, Stan Musial, Sandy Koufax, Warren Spahn, and Mickey Mantle. So when Banks got in, he was the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, eighth, I believe, eighth first-time guy. Now it's it's very common, which I think is appropriate. I think you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. I, don't, I never understood the the first ballot thing. People still argue that. But uh, But things are picking up. There's been a lot more guys voted in over the last 20 years, so I, I think uh, I think it's pointing in the right direction. I don't know if there are any names here you would argue with. By the way, Alan Trammell and Jack Morris in via the Veterans Committee, both absolutely deserving. I'm glad they're both getting in. Shame they didn't get in from the writers. But I'm just looking at, let's just look at the last, say, 10 years. Arguments with any of these guys? Tommy Chipper Jones, Pudge, Junior, Smoltz, Pedro, Randy Johnson, Big Frank, Glavin, Maddox, Ricky Henderson, Tony Gwynn, Cal Ripken. No arguments there, right? No. All first ballot no. guys? Yes. No arguments on any of those guys, right? Okay. Um the the ceremony itself, if you haven't if you haven't been there, it's really terrific. It's it's worth it's worth a weekend, and if you can't make it for Hall of Fame weekend, you should get to upstate New York sometime. Mix it in with a with a weekend at Saratoga during the summer when Saratoga opens their short meet. It's it's beautiful country. I don't know if you've ever been to upstate New York. I had not until my first time Never been. to the Hall of Fame in 2005. It's absolutely beautiful country. You fly into either Albany or Syracuse, and then it's about an hour and a half to, uh, to Cooperstown. It's just gorgeous. I'm surprised it took you until 2005 to get there. Covered baseball a long time. Yeah, but I was always covering baseball. All right. So when was I going to do it? There and wasn't an instance for you to cover. I'm trying to remember if the you know, I'm sure that the Cubs played a Hall of Fame game. There used to be a Hall of Fame game where two teams would go to Cooperstown on an off day during the season. But basically they flew in that morning to one of those two airports then had to make the on a bus, get on a bus, drive to Cooperstown. They would dress in, I, I mean, there's at, um, what's the name, Doubleday Field, there's not even a locker room. So they would dress in bathrooms or whatever, go out. The starters would play a couple innings. Then the, the, the extra guys would come in and play. And then they would get on a bus back to the airport and leave. They didn't even see the Hall of Fame. It was kind of ridiculous. And I don't think it, it is. I'm pretty sure it's not done anymore. And I don't, uh, I don't even really know what the point of it was. But those guys didn't even get to see it, and they were there. 
They were right next to the Hall of Fame and didn't even go in. So, no, I never had seen it before. But upstate New York is beautiful. I, I highly recommend it. And the golf courses, some outstanding golf courses. These are the highest vote-getters of all time. 2016, Junior Griffey, 99.32%. Three people did not vote for Ken Griffey Jr. 19, before that, it was 1992, Tom Seaver, 98.84%, omitted on five ballots. 99, Nolan Ryan, 98.79%, omitted on six Ripken was omitted on eight. Ty Cobb was omitted on four. George Brett omitted on nine. Hank Aaron was omitted on nine. Hey, what's your argument against Hank Aaron, the nine people who didn't vote for Hank Aaron? Yeah, a lot of these I wonder, so are you trying to take a stance? The Griffey thing, I, I assume that's what it was. Are you anti the era he played in? Maybe you're... Maybe you you wanted to be known as the guy who didn't vote for Griffey, That's hoping there was only too. hoping there was only one. Yeah, uh, Maddox omitted on sixteen. Why would you want to be that? I'm going down to Babe Ruth. 1936. Babe Ruth received 215 of 226 votes, 95 percent. Eleven people didn't vote for Babe Ruth. <laughs> He's the Babe Ruth of Babe Ruths. You know when people so go, that had to be a when, character thing. When people right? go, when people go, Muhammad Ali was the Babe Ruth of boxing, or Tiger Woods is the Babe Ruth of golf, or Michael Jordan was the Babe Ruth of. Ba- it's Babe Ruth. How yeah. did Babe Ruth get omitted? What was it before Babe Ruth? What did they call it? The the Hall of Fame. There no, wasn't just oh, the who player was that you looked at as. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's see how I get based of uh, uh, Paul Gr- Bruce Red Grange. No, I don't even know when. <laughs> I don't even know when he played exactly. Sorry. He might have. I don't think he preceded. Ba- no, he couldn't have preceded Babe Ruth, right? What, Eli? I know. I can Sunny see the break. clock. Yeah. I don't think there was a Babe No, I think that's the thing is there was it no Babe Ruth. then. I think he, I think, I think he revolutionized, revolutionized sports in many ways because there was no star like that in anything. I don't know. Stan and Bellwood would know. He would have an answer for that. Maybe he'll call. Next hour, we got to take a break. We're going to talk to Mac Engel from the uh, Fort Worth Star-Telegraph and uh, get the lowdown on Cole Hamels. I want to get to uh, Ryan Baruki next hour as well. He starts for the Toronto Blue Jays today, local kid, with uh, an interesting connection. We'll do that. We'll get back to the Cubs and White Sox as well right here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.